Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. Men, as always, I'd like to begin by thanking you for checking out today's podcast episode. On Friday, we're sponsored by Dark Water Woodwork, darkwaterkc.com. That link is in the show notes. I want you to know if you visit darkwaterkc.com and you put in today's discount code, you will save 15% off of your beard care products. You say, what is the discount code? I'll give that to you later on in the show. Now, one of the things I really respect about Doug and what he does is the money he collects, he gives a portion of that to help fight human trafficking. January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And if you go to his website, you're going to see a few t-shirts there. That He's got more information on his Facebook page, more information on his website, but I want you to know about it. So if you go there and you're there looking for beard care products, maybe you check the shirts out and say, hey, I can help raise awareness. I can help raise some money for a good cause. Men, it's time for today's podcast episode. I'm trying to think there has got to be a better way to drink coffee while doing a podcast without getting it into the microphone. I suppose I could hit mute, perhaps. I always forget that that's there, unless it's by accident. Nevertheless, uh, we are walking through the life of Christ. We're going to focus primarily today on Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 28. I'd like to get to 3, 1 through 6. I just have a gut feeling uh, we're going to run out of time. So the, the premise will still be there. The premise is the Sabbath. We're talking about the Sabbath. Now that word... For some of you guys, for it may be a foreign word. Maybe you've not heard the word Sabbath, the Sabbath rest, or what that exactly is. Uh, maybe you grew up around church circles, so you you know there's a bit of um, tension sometimes when it comes to the Sabbath and how it's exercised or uh, honored, if you will. Uh, some guys can be very legalistic about the Sabbath. Conveniently, though, they'll kind of move the needle a bit if they got some plans on the weekend or whatever. And so, well, 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 that's what Jesus has proven here. Um, some guys will argue that it's it has got to be uh, sundown on Friday to, uh, well, that'd be sundown on Saturday. Some, be, some people say, well, it's got to be Sunday. I hope when you get out of this, when you look at Mark 2, uh, 23, 3, and then chapter 3, 1 through 6, you say, um, maybe it, I don't have to be as legalistic about it as I have been taught or as I thought. However, I do need to be mindful of it. And at the same token, I, I need to take advantage of the benefits that come with the Sabbath. And uh, as a guy who promotes survival skills, one of those benefits is not to get out of things. It is to kind of have a reset and to restore your soul just a little bit. So uh, let, me, let me just read a little bit. And then we'll kind of get into this. This is one Sabbath. He was going through the grain fields. This is verse 23. They made their way. His disciples began to pluck uh, heads of grain. Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are you? Why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and the, he ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him. For any, forgive me, but the priest to eat and also gave it to those who are with them. Let's stop right there. So like new believers, if you will, the disciples are trudging along with Jesus and they get hungry. They said, hey, there's a snack. Let's have a snack. Thankfully, though, there's Pharisees there. There's people there who can't enforce the rules. The 
no running in church person or whatever other rules we have made up somewhere along the way just because we need some more extra rules. Thankful that the Pharisees are there. They say, hey, Jesus, you're not keeping these guys in line. We need to continually remind ourselves, especially if you're attached to a, a church, and you should be. I'm a big believer that you should be. Don't punt on that. I know I've seen guys argue with me about that. Uh, I don't think you'll find that in Scripture where you don't need the church. But we can't let man-made religious rules make us a slave to spiritualism. I just need to do these things because, well, the pressure's put on me to do these things. Um, Once again, the Sabbath ran from sunset Friday to sunset Saturday. The Jews were commanded, set this day aside as holy. The Sabbath proclaimed Yahweh as the Lord of creation of all time. It was they, they were they were to set it apart as a holy and unique people. You know how every once in a while McDonald's or someplace will be like, well, we sell chicken sandwiches on Sunday, like a jab at Chick-fil-A. You know how foolish that is? First of all, your food is not even in the same region as Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and be like, well, look what we have. Uh, yeah. Uh, God said, you are going to do this different. You might be mocked. You might be made fun of. You might be feel like you're missing out. I'm telling you. What was it? The, the gold rush, the people that were moving out west here in the United States, those who traveled seven days a week versus those who traveled the six days and, and held fast to the Sabbath, um, the seven dayers, it didn't work. Everything gave out. Animals gave out. Wagons broke down. People got more sick. Yeah, because we're, we're supposed to have a, a day of rest. So here these guys are, and they're, you know, new to, to some of this, especially they're new to the pressure of, you know, people coming alongside and, and checking your work constantly and looking at you through a critical lens. I've said that before. If you want to go into ministry, you better feel called as opposed to wanting to work there because people are going to look at you. They're going to look at everything you do and your family through a much more critical lens. Don't do any work. This is what God's telling them. Don't do any work that is not absolutely necessary. This is a day that you could look forward to. This is a day you could shut it down. This is a day that you could say, I'm having a hard reset here. Nothing that absolutely was necessary, except, you know, I don't know, task that could be involved in like, don't lose your life. I think that would be absolutely necessary. So the, the disciples are walking and they look like you might look if you were out on a hike, whatever, and they see some grain or I don't know if you ever see grain on a hike. We might see some berries or something. They, they pluck a few. They start to have a little snack, right? This is a double violation. What's the double violation? Well, more than likely, they've walked more than 1,999 paces. You were, you were supposed to only go that far that day. Well, they spent all their 1,999 paces going one direction. They can't come back the other way. And they weren't just plucking. As you pluck, you could pluck. But what you couldn't do was rub. Pluck and rub, okay? So now we're rubbing. And then they're eating. Oh, my goodness. Do these guys have any? I mean, are they? could he found a bigger group of slappies to follow him around? They don't even understand the rules. He said, uh, have you not read? Great question to them. Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry and those who were with him? This was a good tactic. Rabbi would ask a question, kind of puts them on the defense. Like the guy said, uh, teacher, what must I do to inherit life? And he said, well, what does the scripture say? Oh, 
Now you're putting me on the defense here, right? So, you know, these, these rules that the Pharisees had come up with over time were essentially put into 39 categories, and they're broken down into six groups. That's exhausting. You will not read that in Scripture. But people love rules, especially if they can enforce them upon other people. The Sabbath was meant, was intended to rest and reconnect with God outside of your normal six-day work week or six-day routine. It was something to look forward to, not to have dread about, not to be paranoid about, certainly not to keep score over who kept the Sabbath better than others. I remember my kid's first uh, school she went to. She could only wear like these certain types of shoes on certain days. She had to have a certain belt for something. Um, I got in trouble one time for crossing, I don't know, walking her into school. And the lady's like, sir, sir, you didn't. Yeah. Um, so it didn't matter. Like They just loved the rules. And the rules created an environment that you were paranoid of breaking them. And they became the ultimate authority of rules. Because who on earth is going to read all the rules about the certain style of belt. I remember like one of them called my wife was like, yeah, this belt or shoes, they're really cute, but we only do those on Mondays or something like that. And you're like, what have, what have we gotten ourselves into? They basically said, it would be better for your guys to sit still, eat nothing, and go hungry all day than to break these rules. What they're missing is God's intention behind the rules. We need to remember that the Lord's Day is a blessing, not a burden. But listen, here's what we tend to do. The guys who say, amen, Jarrett, amen, man, there's rules and rules. They just love the rules, rules. We take it to the nth degree and say, well, can't I keep the Sabbath when I'm out fishing? Because I don't get to do that during my work week. Can't I keep the Sabbath when I'm in a deer blind? Can't you consider it Sabbath if I'm sitting there in a lawn chair, and I'm watching my kid, you know, play baseball, basketball, soccer, whatever. Isn't that kind of the Sabbath? Hey, brother, um, I'm not the enforcer of the rules, but I would tell you, above all, honor God as holy. Don't try to pull one over on him. Don't go out looking for This is my straight. Don't go out looking for an RV and tell your wife it's a date. <laughs> it's a search and rescue mission. That's what it is. No, that, that's, that's what we try to do with God. We'll, we'll begin to just tear away at it. And, and the intent was, hey, be intentional. Be very intentional with this day. They said, we found a, a loophole here where we could exercise some fear and dominion over people and make them feel guilty all the time that they're not keeping the Sabbath correctly. I mean, if you read about these rules and regulations, you can see even to 2024, you know, you're supposed to put tape over a light switch so you don't, you know, accidentally flip the light on, you know, because that would be work and food made in a crock pot. And like, where does it end? Jesus replies, have you not read? Again, it's great technique, a rabbi technique, counter question. It says, you know your Bible, right? Then tell me why this happened. Tell me why David went in there and he ate that bread. And what what was what should happen is the Pharisees could engage in some discourse with him. Well, I've always read it this way, or I was taught this way, or do you see when David did this, he was on the run from this. You know, they, they, they don't do that. Jesus, again, just showing that he knows, and he knows a little bit more. There are people who love to flex their muscles, if you will, spiritually. You talk about someone who could have flexed their muscles spiritually, Jesus. 
And yet he allows them to engage in conversation even when they're looking at him through a much more critical lens than, than, than he is, if you will. And so Jesus wants us to know the Sabbath was made to bless man, not man to bless the Sabbath. There's nothing you and I are going to do on the Sabbath that God's going to go, now that guy down there, that silverback right there, he's got it figured out. He's got the Sabbath dialed in. No, but the same token, don't think we can cheat God. I think there's a lot of guys cheating God. I don't know how it works in other countries, but I'll tell you this. If you got a kid between the ages of about 6 and 18, there's a high probability you've tried to negotiate and cheat God on Saturday and Sunday. It's just the way it is. And, and you take that up with him. You reconcile that with him. It's the Lord's Day. Well, actually, it's the Lord's Day. Every single day is the Lord's Day. And so when we argue over the Sabbath, we've really missed the point of the Sabbath. Perhaps we've also missed the point of the other six days. Every day is the Lord's Day. It's a blessing that he even allows us to wake up. It's a blessing that he allows us to know him, to have a conversation about the Bible. I mean, here you are going down a road in your truck or you're on a walk with your dog or you're, you know, on a hike somewhere or whatever, and you're listening to me talking in my house on a gloomy day here in Indianapolis. And uh, perhaps, perhaps you might be listening to this on a, a day or two before the Sabbath. Maybe you're listening to it on the Sabbath. Maybe your pastor just preached on the Sabbath. Uh, we don't know how God works, but every day we understand it's the Lord's day. It's his day. As a matter of fact, that's your code today. The Lord's day, all capital letters. Put that in, you get your discount code we referenced in the beginning. A Sabbath rest was meant for everybody. Everyone was entitled to rest and set aside, which is a day which we're going to keep it holy and we're going to honor God. And so what Jesus is ultimately showing here, when you look at uh, Mark 2, 23 through 28, which ends the chapter, and then he goes in to heal a man with a withered hand, which again, they, they don't want him to do that, is the Lordship of Jesus Christ is our anchor and it's our guide. Not rules, not preferences, not tradition. People love their rules their preferences and tradition, and they project that upon others and say, if you don't do it this way, then you're wrong. Jesus said, no, this Sabbath rest, while you look at it from a very critical lens, is meant to restore each individual back to God through a time of rest, through a time of setting a, a, a window of time here apart to do something different. So we don't want to become so legalistic about the Sabbath rest that you're walking around and policing everybody in your house, whether they did what they should do or not. Just make sure you don't take 1,999 steps. Well, don't take that 2,000th step. I think you're good at 1,999. But uh, don't take 2,000. Get your Fitbit on. Make sure you're not walking too far. But we also don't want to become some, so sloppy about it that we say, well, anything goes. God's not going to tolerate that. And so when he starts talking about the Sabbath here, Mark 2, Mark 3, he's putting himself in the place with the authority of God as Lord of the Sabbath. He is the one that determines what is lawful. He is the one that determines what is unlawful. He, the reality is there is no higher authority. John MacArthur said, Jesus dropped the bomb of all bombs on the self-righteous minds. He, in a sense, looks at them and says, I am. Ooh, if you know your Old Testament. Go back to Exodus. If you know your Old Testament, Jesus saying, I am. I am the sovereign ruler over the Sabbath, and I am a sovereign ruler over this day and all days. 
John starts off his gospel by saying everything was made by him and nothing was made without him. He said, uh, I know you believe you are elite, but you are misguided. He's the interpreter of God's will. He's the interpreter of, of God's word. He's the interpreter of God's laws and not, not us. I've noticed this on social media. If this offends you, um, I'm just telling you my perspective. You could say you're wrong. You could say you're misguided. You're, you know, whatever you want to say. I'm okay with that. It seems to me, and it's particularly more on Facebook than on Instagram or Twitter or whatever other places. That's where I'm primarily at. But Facebook mostly is what I see. Anyone who gets a hint of Hebrew, you know, where they start using Hebrew words and they start using Hebrew letters, which most of us don't know what they are, and uh, they start to use, you know, words that, you know, you need a little extra swig of water to be able to pronounce. They become somehow a little more self-righteous amongst their Facebook friends than everybody else. And to continue that self-righteousness, they will continue to talk in such a way that we say, what are you talking about? Can you just say Jesus? Can you just say you know, whatever is, is, is printed in the book? Jared, don't you know that? I, I know. I know. But I also know that I am trying to evangelize and make disciples, and I'm trying to, I don't know, be a light. And uh, just like on the day of Pentecost, help speak the language of people in 2023, 24, so let's say in 23. And I know you might like that or that way of speaking, and that's fine. But even you have a hard time spitting it out. Even you had to copy and paste it from your online commentary. I know. I know you did. And I know that makes you feel good. Like, look at what I'm doing. I'm flexing some Hebrew, which, again, you copied from a commentary to put in your, your Facebook post. We don't care. Just love God. Just love other people. Stop flexing on them your superiority of knowing the scriptures and that you are the knower of all things and everyone else has been grossly misguided. That is exactly what Jesus talks about here in all the Gospels. And we read the Gospels and we say, oh, I cannot believe that they would treat Jesus that way. I cannot believe they would talk about the disciples that way. And yet we do the exact same things. It just looks different in 24. It just looks different. But it's still an air of superiority. Now, what we need to do is understand what Jesus is saying here, and it will settle all the issues. As God, he is Lord of the Sabbath. We, as the created, do not get to choose whether we allow him to be Lord of the Sabbath or not and how we project our lordship over other people's Sabbath. We don't have that. He's already the supreme authority, whether we choose to acknowledge him as such or not. As the Savior of the world, that is a very powerful and amazing seat to get to sit in, and it's already occupied. We don't get to sit in it. We should stop trying to sit in that chair. Or we should stop trying to move one right next to it as close as we can get it and just say, okay, let me let me just sit here. Let's just scoot over. Like, just sit in your place. Just cultivate the garden you have been given. Just evangelize the people, the lost people in your sphere of influence. Disciple the people that God has placed in front of you. I don't need to grandstand and say, oh boy, you guys have just made another mess of things. Look, look, look to me, I have found the source of all that is true. Jesus is the source of all that is true. And if we're going to proclaim anything, we should probably proclaim him. I guess it starts with this. Have we surrendered to Jesus 
as the Lord and Savior of our life. Because he is no matter what. Whether you've surrendered to him or not, you're listening to this out of curiosity. You saw my face. Someone shared it, whatever. You're like, okay, I'll, I'll take a, a, a guess at this. Or maybe you're a Sabbath guy. You drop the Sabbath hammer and you're like, I'm going to just see what this guy says so I can either, you know, just drill on him or I can share it and say, see, he said it. I'm telling you right now, it starts with making sure Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life. That that settles all those tensions. From there, in my sphere of influence, which would be the address where I'm sitting right now, then we have to determine what does the Sabbath look like for us and our family. And, and every weekend, it's just a little bit different. I serve at a church, so being there on Sunday is pretty much a non-negotiable for me and everyone else that lives here. Now, for you, I know it is a negotiable for a lot of people. And if you want to justify where and how you Sabbath, just make sure you reconcile that with God. And ultimately, what we understand with our relationship with God, not just one day a week, but the other six as well, which are all the Lord's days, what we understand in those seven days is we should be moving closer to his holiness and less like our old self. And so when you ask yourself, how am I using that time? How am I using that Sabbath? Or have I even considered that regardless of I acknowledge it or not, there is a Sabbath on my calendar? Am I using it in such a way that moves me closer to the holiness of God? Or is it making me more like the guy who's sitting next to me? And I, and I pick on uh, athletics a lot because I just think they have become an idol in our world. And I love athletics. My kids are in athletics. But listen. I know when the schedule comes out and you mark down your calendar, these are the dates, these are the weekends, these are, I guess I'm going to have to take off work that day, I guess I'm going to have to get hotels that day, we're going to have to do that. Hey, that's fine, man. You can make a lot of great memories doing that. But if that becomes your life and that becomes your Lord, it is going to let you down. And when your kids get out of the house and they spent every weekend being the hero of your story because every weekend revolved around their tournament. We don't play games anymore. We just play tournaments. And we just play tournaments because we want to get trophies. We want to get recognition and we want to get rings. Kids are playing four games and getting a ring. How are they getting rings? Because you paid so much money for them to be in this. We're not playing games no more. We're playing tournaments. And we want rewarded for that. And so I get out of the house and I go off to college or I go off to trade school. I go off to stay in your basement or whatever I'm doing. And then the parent can't get the kid to, I don't know why he don't want to go to the young adult Bible study. I don't know why he won't go to the, the pizza party, the big game party. I don't know why he doesn't go to the potlucks. I don't know. Because every weekend was about them. Every weekend, they were the celebrity. Every weekend, the whole schedule revolved around what time and what place and how much. And suddenly that all dries up and they still want to be the star of the show. And then you send messages to people and say, would you pray for my kid? I just don't know how I can. Jesus was not Lord. He was, he was not Lord. He, if he was, he was in words only. Or maybe you watched the live stream or read your Bible real quick in the truck before you hopped out and, and then sat there for you know nine hours on end eating Cheez-Its. Again, there's a lot of great things that can happen there. But if you're going to try to cheat God, you're going to find out down the road, you'll have nothing to pull from. I have seen this so many times. On the other side of that, we understand man, man-made rules never get us to God. They never get us closer to God. They just make us feel better about ourselves. They only remind us how far we really are, and we only project some kind of superiority over other people. Only the Lord of the Sabbath, who is Jesus, gets us closer to God. I trust in his work. I trust in what he's done, not my own. Because if I trust in my own, or if I, if I try to do my own thing, 
If I lean on my own understanding, I will be disappointed. And again, when I desire to pull a harvest from all these years of labor or whatever it is, there will not be anything there of substance because I haven't done what he said to do. He always knows better. He always knows better. Now, here's our tension, especially if you're in any of those scenarios I just described. There's going to be 12 other families who are willing to do whatever it says. You're going to look around at church and be like, well, where's the so-and-so? Is the so-and-so? Why are we here? Why are we trying to squeeze in some worship time? Why are we doing this? You got to determine who's the Lord of your life. When Jesus goes in and heals the man with the withered hand, they said, how dare you do that? He said, isn't it better to heal this guy on the Sabbath than to make him go another day miserable? They say, no. You know why? Because deep down they're miserable too. And unless Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life, you will be miserable. If you try to have a plastic salvation that just looks like something, but when the heat's on, it melts and there's really nothing there, you're going to find out um, that ain't that's not going to hold up. That that just will not hold up. So first of all, you got to reconcile that. Is he Lord? Is he Savior? And if he is, what does that look like? We've talked about this before. Do I look like? Do I live like? Do I talk like? Do I spend my money like? My time like everybody else? Or is there something different about me? Because that again, was one of the original intentions of, of the Sabbath. All the other nations are going to look at you and say, is he taking a nap today? Are they having a picnic today? They're doing family time today? Boy, I'll tell you what, when he comes back to work on Monday, I'm using our language, he comes back to work on Monday, he's a happier dude when he left on Friday, I know that. What's going on? Well, we intentionally set apart this day to connect with God, to connect with each other. I know there's people that do it. I know there's people that do it, and uh, it seems like they're the anomaly, but um, you just need to consider it. I I encourage you to read the whole thing, but Mark 2, 23 to 28, Mark 3, 1 through 6. Two different instances where Jesus is talking about the Sabbath. Men, I appreciate you watching. I appreciate you guys listening who share the show. Remember, use that code save some money on some beer products. Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.